Welcome to Tactical Recon, the place where we find kingdom-building strategies through scholarship, leadership, and action. And here's your host. Welcome to the Tactical Recon podcast. I'm your host today, Michelle, here in the studio with Dr. Paul Michael Raymond, Dean of the New Geneva Christian Leadership Academy. We're here today to talk about leadership in our series on scholarship, leadership, and action. Dr. Raymond, welcome. Welcome. Glad to have you with us today. Thank you, Michelle. Appreciate the opportunity to discuss what I believe is a very important topic. Wonderful. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, to start off with, you know, you walk into the bookstore and you see leadership books abounding. What is leadership? What does it mean? And how do we exhibit the characteristics of a leader? Very good. Yes, yes. A lot of books on leadership. In fact, we have so many books on leadership from so many different perspectives here that uh you know that you just you just can't get enough of it because a lot of people even secular folk they have a, a notion of leadership because they are created in the image of god and we are called to be leaders the thing we want to make sure that we're doing is leading in the right direction biblically with a christ-centered motive and a christ-centered goal so let's let's for argument's sake, then define really what leadership is. According to the scripture, the scriptures, the scriptures use the word lead, leader, leadeth, and all of the, the sometimes they have different Hebrew or Greek uh, words, but basically to lead is to drive forward someone or something in a certain direction. In some instances in Scripture, when it speaks about leaders as someone who leads, it's dealing with a military commanding operation, a campaign from a military perspective. And that goes right along with what Christians are. We are Nazarite warrior priests. We have the sword of the spirit, the breastplate of righteousness. We have all the armaments of, of military campaigns. And we are actually at war with the anti-Christian sentiment, the anti-Christian people, the anti-Christian philosophies and ideologies of the world. So there is a military component there. Uh, we see also the idea of leading as someone who guides, someone who is uh, guiding the individual to a certain end, a certain goal, which means that individual certainly has a vision or an end in view. So it's the idea of, of, of guiding. It's also this idea of leadership. It's the art, the science, and the philosophy behind this idea of leading. So leadership is very important. And without true leaders who have, for instance, the proper vision, the proper uh, motivation, those who have a true direction, a purpose, a long-term strategy, those who have those things need to step up and first make sure they're having the proper goal and the proper direction, and then step up and actually lead by example. And that's important. Leadership, according to Noah Webster's dictionary, leading is done by example first and foremost. It's not done by barking commandments or by preaching a lecture and saying, here's what you must do. It's by stating the fact, here's what needs to be done, and then showing by actually doing something how it is to be done. And that's what a true leader is. Very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you for that definition. 
I know uh, Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. What can Christians who are striving to exhibit leadership in the world around them take away from that? Well, they need to follow the leadership of the biblical characters of Scripture. They have to be willing to act as examples. They have to recognize that the leader is the one who goes first, the one who is the, if you will, the trailblazer, the forerunner. Even as Christ was our forerunner, we are to follow his lead. We are to be forerunners. The, the problem with, I, I think the problem with leadership today is there's a confusion between theological knowledge and actual leadership. Theological knowledge, and we discussed this last time when we discussed scholarship, theological knowledge does not necessarily translate just because someone has knowledge into leadership capabilities. They may be just a sounding, a, a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And, and that does not make a man or a woman or a boy or a girl a leader. So when we think about leadership, we, we look at the leader, for instance, the perfect leader, the Lord Jesus Christ. He led his people compassionately. He was care, caring of them. He was careful. He was able to see beyond the, the horizon, if you will. A leader needs to, like I said, a visionary. But in other words, he needs to be observant of the world around him. He needs to seek for solutions and then to experiment to see if those solutions actually work and then lead his people into that, into that arena. Sort of like Moses. Moses was navigating through a wilderness. He didn't know the wilderness, but he did have a vision. Here's what we must do. And he led them to the promised land. The reason why it took so long is because of the disobedience of the people. But Moses had that vision because God gave him that vision. So again, it is with compassion and carefulness, uh, observing the the landscape of of the culture around us, having a proper biblical world and life view, uh, the characteristics of a leader are important. The traits of a leader are important. Uh, it does not come naturally. It, come, become, it comes to the individual supernaturally. And then it needs to be developed. And that's what leadership really uh, is all, all about. And that's what we are lacking in the Christian community. With, with, with Christian leaders, their leadership isn't just regulated or compartmentalized to the physical world around them. There's there's no no sense of Gnostic thinking here. There's no room for Gnostic thinking where, oh, this is my spiritual leadership and this is my uh, worldly leadership. It's it's all God's world. This is our Father's world. What what can you add to that? How can what can you how can you help us understand that? Yes, we need to recognize uh, about the doctrine which. I, I know uh, it's an odd word, but I like the word. It's totalism. God's uh, world is one. It's under his authority. In the scripture, the parable of the man who sees that there is hidden in the field a pearl of great price. So he buys the field. He owns the field because of the pearl. The pearl is the organic church, the spiritual people. And he buys the field so that he can take dominion over the field through his people, through the, through the church. So, so we, can't, we can't discriminate between sacred and secular. The reformers never did. Everything was sacred. 
Everything was sacred. The secular world was sacred because we needed to uh, reconstruct that world. We needed to advance the kingdom of God. So it would expand like the leaven in the bread would then expand, like the mustard seed would then become that great tree. That is what we are doing. We also, as far as leadership is concerned, I want to make this point. In order to be an effective leader, a true leader, someone who actually can be looked up to as a leader, not only does he need to be humble, and humility is very important because when people start to look to you for answers, I could really make your head big, I could yeah. really puff you up. We want to be really careful. And God will deal with you, of course, if that's the case. But we need to, as leaders, we need to first be under a leadership authority other than ourselves. That's fundamental. We have to learn to be under authority as to be able to uh, hone our, our uh, obedience skills and then to have others come under our authority. And that will give us a, a better idea of what it means to be under someone's authority and what it means to then be in authority. But you have to be under authority first before you can be an authority. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They, they would rather just be the authoritative figure. They want to be the leader instead of learning what it means to be humbled and, and to be the, the servant. And, that, and that's an important aspect of leadership that we don't find. I remember many years ago, we had asked a man uh, to uh, be a deacon in our church. And the diaconate is a place where you learn leadership skills. But you're also under the authority of the elders, the session. And we, we brought the individual into the, into the council room and we told him what we were thinking. And he shook his head no. He said, I, I, I don't want to be a deacon. And we, we were quite surprised. And we asked him why. He said, well, I actually want to be an elder. And I can't really waste my time being a deacon. And we knew at that moment that our decisions even looked to him was wrong. And we asked him, we told him, this is not going to work out anyway, uh, as a deacon or as an elder, or as anything. So, so a man needs to learn how to be under authority before he can be in authority. As far as leadership goes, is every, would you say that everyone is a leader? I do not believe that everyone has leadership capabilities. It comes supernaturally, and it comes by the decision of God, not by the decision of the individual. You find most successful leaders never wanted to be leaders. They were pushed into that position by God, and they confessed to God, like Jeremiah. I am a child. I don't know this. Like Solomon, I can't go in. I, can't, I don't know how to go out. I need wisdom. And others didn't want to do this. Jonah did not want to bring the gospel. So God usually picks his leaders. Do they have natural characteristics which are leadership worthy? Yes, but that's God's doing. Again, from the beginning, that's God's doing. And he develops them in an experiential, experimental way along with the grace of God, working together with their natural tendencies, their natural characteristics. And then he puts them in the school of obedience. So now you have 
and you said natural tendencies. I say they're supernatural because they're given by God, but let's, for argument's sake, say natural. Natural leadership qualities, natural leadership characteristics, but those are then developed. They're developed by providence, through providence, through coming under the idea of, of serving others as apprentices. That's why apprenticeship is important. And you can never get enough hours by being an apprentice because you always learn so many things. I was an apprentice in my in my quote-unquote secular work. You know, I had to learn how to be under authority. And then I became the master. Okay, so, and that's what we want. We want those in apprentice for biblical leadership to become the master, to become, you know, to be better than we are, better than we ha- could ever hope for. So, so yeah, you have that natural, supernatural input, and then you have that that development through training, through skill. I think one of the most one of the most important aspects of leadership is the desire to be a servant of God, because that's what leadership is. It's service. So the scripture says, if you desire the place of the presbyter or the place of a deacon, if you desire this, and then we back up again and we ask, what is the first cause of our hope and our desire? It's Christ. So if we're desiring to, to lead, not for our own honor or our own being puffed up, but if we are desiring to lead because we want to serve Christ in the best way possible and we have a vision, that desire comes from God. And that's another aspect of leadership as well. So we talked about leadership as far as leadership in the church we touched upon that lightly what about everyday leadership in the home like people people may not go out and seek to be a leader in their home but when you've got a family you have no choice but to step up and exhibit before god the characteristics of humility and serving others and taking charge in a healthy, God-honoring way of, or taking responsibility, rather, of being the spiritual leader of your home. And mothers also are, I'm not sure what the right verbiage here would be, maybe like co-leaders, you know, um, together, co-laboring in, in this in this sphere of influence and leadership. What about that? Well, that puts another, another uh, layer on this, which is important. So you have a father and a mother, and I call the mom a governess, and the governor is the dad, of course. Uh, but the governess has the lion's share of, of the task to raise and train the children. So they need, she needs to lead. Okay, This comes with training. Like, for instance, the scripture says that the, the older women are to teach the younger women. Well, what are they teaching them? They're not theology per se, although maybe that's part of it, but they're teaching them how to love their husband and how to love their children, how to train their children. So so now you may have some women, young women, who are naturally leaders and don't need the help of the older women. And that's great. Now they can help other women. Now fathers too. You have some natural fatherly tendencies. Maybe they, are, they have that natural, supernatural, quote-unquote, leadership, and that will develop into maybe community leadership. Because fathers are the, uh, the bedrock of any leadership in any community. But then you have some fathers that just don't know how to 
start up a devotion in their home, lead their children, chastise and disciple their children. So that's why you have ministers. That's why you have pastors. That's why you have elders and, and older folks who have gone that way, who've made all the, all the necessary mistakes because there's no perfect leadership. Okay, they've made their mistakes, they learned, God has taught them, and now they share these, these experiences with these moms and dads, and they can, hopefully, they can bypass those missteps that the older folks had to suffer under. And then they could stand on the shoulders of the old people, the older people, and be better than them. And that should translate to every generation. So every generation, instead of getting worse and becoming more worldly and more uh, apostatized, they become better, more obedient, more equipped, more, more strong uh, to, to tackle the issues of the day. But it, again, it all begins in the family. It all begins in the family. That is the bedrock. That is the foundation, the organic foundation of the culture, whether it's going to go well or or badly and that's something we have to remember you can't if you're a parent you can't just say well i don't have the gift of leadership when you get married when you're when you decide to marry you need to know you're taking upon yourself generational responsibility it's not just for you it's not just for your wife you're taking upon yourself generational responsibility even if and i stress this even if that married couple never has their own child. Mm -hmm. They still are examples of leadership, of obedience, of piety to single folk, mm -hmm. married folk, the children, the church, and they have their they have their position in the church and they can do very, very wonderful things. But still, they and and again, you're leading by example. Not by, by what you're telling your child to do or what you're telling the congregation to do. If, you're, if a minister tells the congregation, you need to get involved in the local community, and he doesn't, then he's a hypocrite. How does the New Geneva Christian Leadership Academy come into the picture here with leadership? Well, all of our teaching is done with a goal in mind. The academics, if you will, the scholarship, you you learn what the lesson is, you learn what the course is, whatever it is, worldview studies, theological studies, historical studies, what have you. That's your foundation. And then we translate it into how do you take that and guide others with that knowledge into the final leg of Geneva's slogan, action, which we'll discuss at a later date with one of our principals, uh, Elder Paul Coviello. So, so of course, everything is, is a seamless garment together. It works together. We give them the materials. Then we say, now you're to use these influentially or AKA in a leadership way. And the goal now is to put this into practical perspective, a practical, actionable idea, approach, uh, practice, uh, campaign, or what have you. So, so it all works together with the goal in mind, we're going to get it out into the community. Because if it, if it remains in academia, what good is it? What, what good is it? And remember, the Puritans always say, Reformation does not end in contemplation, but in action. And if it's not actionable, it's not worth it. One last question for you. 
I know parents are listening. What can they do to encourage their children to practice leadership in a healthy way? Well, we'll go back to the fundamentals. By example. By example. I know when my children were growing up, my son especially, when I would be speaking to other pastors, other men, political candidates, board of supervisors or sheriff or whoever, he was always right there next to me, even as a little tyke. He was just right there, just listening, a little fly in the wall. And he was watching what daddy was doing. And he was watching my interaction. And that's important. Okay, so you can even, you can even, and I know a lot of, a lot of dads, they, they, they think that they have to go out and do something and leave the kids with mom. But that's, that's not always the, the right thing. You've got, you've got to bring them along. And the place of service, because leadership and service should be interchangeable, is that the, 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 uh, the training ground is the church. You bring them to church. You show them your initiative in serving the church in whatever way, even if it's mowing the lawn at the church building or tending to the, to the garbage or whatever. You're showing them leadership qualities. Because leaders are not in the ivory tower. A true leader is in the mud. Yeah. Otherwise, he's not a leader. That sounds glamorous. Well, that's just what it is. And you have to be willing to, to do the nasty stuff. Like if no one's cleaning the toilets in your church, then you need to show by example you're cleaning the toilets. And, and we have cleaned the toilets, just so you know. Okay, so we're not just saying someone needs to clean. We cleaned, we vacuumed, we, we washed the floor, whatever it is. That's leadership. Okay, and we do it for one reason and one reason only. For the glory of God in service to his church. We need to love the people in the church. We need to love the church people. Why? Because Christ loves the church people. He loves his bride. Should we not minister to the bride in the way that Christ ministers to her, his bride? And of course we should. So, so this is what we are called to do. If we desire to be leaders, we need to take that commandment, take that gauntlet, you know, as we... we, we, we we begin to recognize there are needs in the church. Instead of being told what to do, we just do it. We see the need. That's leadership. You don't wait for somebody to tell you. You know, sometimes somebody says, well, why don't you just tell them? And I say, you know, it's worthless. It's just useless. I'm going to tell them to do something that's so obvious. I'm just really just vetting their character. Now I know who that one is. I know who that one is. I know what they need to know. And this one needs to know. And you can't browbeat someone. And this is where you're seeing whether it's natural tendency to lead and serve God's church or it's just because somebody told them to do it. Thank you, Dr. Raymond. I appreciate your time today. Is there anything else you'd like to add on that topic? No, but I think we'll pull it all together next time when we talk about how to bring scholarship and leadership into the community with tactical, real concrete things that we have done here. And I think you're going to be surprised with the fundamental character trait of what action really is all about. And it's going to surprise you, I think. Well, I look forward to listening in on that conversation. Tune in next time. We'll have Elder Paul Coviello in the studio hosting on the topic of action. That will end our three-part series on scholarship, leadership, and action. And we're excited about the upcoming episodes after that. Thank you. 
Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.tacticalrecon.org. Thanks for listening. The Tactical Recon Podcast was brought to you by New Geneva Christian Leadership Academy and the Institute for Theonomic Reformation. To learn more, please visit our website at www.tacticalrecon.org.